each Tuesday on the program. Uh, that would be when he's not pinch hitting for either me or Jimmy Hyams, as he does so throughout the year, and we very much appreciate that. But we can tell you that Vince Ferrara's appearance is brought to you by Waters Equipment, and uh, I think he just got finished uh, taking a huge swig out of the Stanley Cup as he joins us now. Vince, how are you? I'm good, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, I think I'm a little lower on the planned cup uh, appearance, uh, um, you know, uh, holding for the yes. Stanley Cup. But I-, I put my name in the hat to at least get in there and, uh, and get a shot at it at some point. Yeah, it was exciting last night. Yeah, well, uh, if you get your hands on that bad boy, do what they did years ago and use it as a jello mold. That was... <laughs> <laughs> one of my all-time favorite ESPN it. commercials. But uh, what was it like? And I mean, and you also have let's see, you have the Lightning that wins the Stanley Cup. You've got the Rays, who were the only team in the American League to win forty games. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of all things coming your way? I, I think there's a great chance of the Rays winning it. In fact, I haven't done any uh, official predictions for the MLB playoffs because it honestly it snuck up on on me you know probably like a lot of people but you know you looked at the schedule of games it's really exciting but I think I would pick the Rays in the World Series right now I didn't going into the shortened season um, but I would you know I had Dodgers and Yankees like a lot of people but I I would probably say Rays and, and Dodgers right now and um, the Rays, I think, have a great chance to win it. And then, so you have two two Tampa teams in very different, unusual, short circumstances, shortened seasons, and you can end up potentially with a couple of titles. And then, obviously, there's all the expectations of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady. You can't rule that out with their remade team with all that star power. Um, exciting stuff and something that I don't uh, that has hasn't been experienced before singular championships have been rare for that area but if they find a way to stack two of them into a couple two three month period of time <laughs> man I mean, you talk about you talk about unfortunate like people not social distancing I mean they're gonna you're not gonna be able to get crowds out of the street in that Tampa Bay area. It'll be, uh, it'll be exciting, um, you know, with uh, if that was to happen. Vince, the Tennessee beating South Carolina, give me your thoughts on the veteran receivers coming through, two seniors that have been in the program, another senior that joined them in Velas Jones. How big do you think it was that those veterans stepped up like that against South Carolina? Very big because we didn't know, especially with Brandon Johnson, what to expect. Also didn't know with extra attention to Josh Palmer what, what, how he would react now being the focus of teams, uh, their game plan and, and their DBs. Now, we didn't see McQuamu, and I really never heard the exact reason for it, but um, not having him throughout the game, Cam Smith was uh, at, at one of those corner spots, I I think that probably helped a little bit, and that matchup didn't materialize. Palmer and McQuango, the 6-4 corner that's a potential first-round pick. But even beyond that, South Carolina still has has good 
corners, and they um, in Tennessee, I think, performed really well. Brandon Johnson had that big catch. The offense really didn't have a whole lot going on prior to that one-handed grab. Then he was quiet for a while, and then another big catch to move the chains. And you, you saw that – I think that one-handed catch gave him – the the confidence that hey I'm back I'm part of this team I'm an important part and um, and then Palmer came through late with that with that nice move to get free on that go route and Valus Jones Jr. that was probably the biggest surprise in how one effective he was two how involved in the pass game he was. And and when you have three veteran guys like that, now it buys you a little bit of extra time for those young guys to come along. Ramel Keaton was a target early on, did have one drop, and Garantano missed on some throws to him also. But now you you know he he can be in the mix for you, and they did have Jalen Hyde in there a little bit, although Garantano sailed a throw to him when he was a target. Um, so I think it just buys you some time to not have to rush those other guys if these veterans continue to produce on a consistent level. I thought that was a really important development for, for Tennessee to to have to answer one of those questions in game one about that group. Now it's just a matter of sustaining it. All right, on the flip side, what is your concern meter for the offensive line, which uh, was – and I know they only call eight running plays for 22 yards in the first half, but you're concerned about the offensive line's play, in particular early against South Carolina. Well, I'll be honest, it wasn't what I expected, even with a couple of guys starting that you hope won't be your starters for much of the year. One of them, Wanyu Morris, who uh, played some, played some at right tackle initially and then some at left tackle. Uh, he's missed a lot of time, so it's no surprise that Jameer Johnson, who's bigger and stronger and experienced, got the start at left tackle. And they, when they messed, when they juggled the lineup a little bit, when they needed to close the ball game out in those final drives, they went back to their original starting lineup in that game with Jameer Johnson at left tackle, and um, and obviously Jerome Carvin at right guard and and Darnell Wright at right tackle. But, you know, with Carvin in there in place of Cade Mays, you're hoping to get Cade Mays at some point. And so, but I, I thought with Tennessee's depth and the quality of those guys, I, I didn't think that they would have that much inconsistency running the ball, especially it was evident in short yardage. And I know Pruitt pointed to the running backs a couple of times that he said they, they ran – uh, you know, towards the sideline rather rather than getting upfield vertical and getting what they could in short yardage situations. But I expected there to be more frequent, bigger holes in Tennessee, be able to impose its will more on South Carolina. Um, I think some of the Tennessee players, at least one of them, talked about how you know their D line was you know was pretty good, maybe better than what they thought, and uh, maybe that's the case. But Guess what? They're going to see better D lines in South Carolina as the year goes on. So, the, it, they need to be better. But I, I, because so many of those guys miss time, giving them a little bit of a of a pass on that, 
and see if they can they can work through it. But I thought they would be better in that first game. Let's go to the phones and check in with Zach. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Zach. Hey, guys. How are you all today? Fine. How are you? Doing good. I was just going to ask you, uh, Garantano, throwing the ball out, do you all think that's him using his arm too much and not his mechanics, and that's causing him to sell the ball quite a bit? What do you think, Vince? Well, his mechanics, he says, was a big reason why he sailed a lot of those throws. And he said he was falling back some, leaning back some. And he, he, he mentioned anticipating rush, which to me is a little bit surprising considering the offensive lineman in front of him and how experienced he is. He, needs, he should not be impacted by that in game one of the season. So I didn't think that was necessarily a, a a good thing. He said he's going to work hard to to fix that, but it wasn't the mechanics that were where was in there were in there was an area that he needed to improve on this year. Certainly, there are always things you can fine tune, but the biggest thing with him was the anticipation, the progression through the reads, those kind of things, knowing where pressures are coming from. Those kind of things are the areas that you thought that that he needed the most work in, and you know I thought he made he made pretty good decisions. I thought his anticipation was there at times, uh, maybe a little bit better than last year. I didn't think he was late on throws. I just thought he was high on throws. So it's a little frustrating that he's now he maybe has improved in a couple of other things, and then had some other things offset that. You need him to take that next step. He avoided the catastrophe plays and turnovers and and things like that, and he figured it out, which is a great trait that he has, especially when he's getting hit as hard and as often as he has in his career. But I I was surprised that it came back to a a mechanic thing for him when when that offset some of the – other things that he needed to to be better at. Uh, Zach, the quote from Garantano that was a bit of a concern to me, I was high on a little bit of throws just seeing I was going to get hit. That's not how I play ball, and I just have to fix those things. I don't remember that being a problem in the past. For it to crop up now was a bit surprising to me. Zach, we appreciate the call. We'll get a break. Our guest, Vince Ferrara. And, Vince, we uh, can't say it enough, but we sure do appreciate Waters Equipment for making your appearance with us possible. Yeah, they're such a great company, and they provide heavy-duty equipment like skid steer, track machines, mini excavators, tractors. They rent them. You can purchase them. They service them. I mean, unbelievable. Been in the area for 48 years. Really appreciate them being on the show, sponsoring the hour and letting us uh, tell everybody about how the great work they do. Vince Ferrara joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline to join us, 656-9900, 656-9900. That puts you on 99.1, the sports animal. You ever notice how stations that promote less talk never actually say anything worth hearing in the first place? We talk sports all the time. 99.1, the sports animal. Our 
guest, Vince Ferrara, as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. Let's get back to the phones where it is Mark who is up next. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hey, fine, guys. How are y'all? Doing well. Thank you. Good. Terrific. Hey, listen, uh, I just wanted to ask a quick question about J.J. Peterson. And maybe I, I missed something in the other broadcasts, but he seems to have just dropped off the face of the planet. Is he still on the team? And uh, he's not on the three deep that I can see. Do you all know anything about that? And I'll hang out. Thanks. Vince, I heard his name mentioned by Coach Pruitt. It's a guy that could help them. Uh, but to date, he has been a disappointment considering he was as highly rated as he was coming out of Georgia. Yeah, he's been he's been mentioned, like you said, Jimmy. But I, I don't think anyone has pointed to him as someone that you know is contending for any sort of starting spot. Um, I, I think he's in that second, third tier. But it, it um, I just didn't have a whole lot of expectations from him, uh, you know, coming in, especially because when when he was brought in, he was supposed to be one of those inside backers and four for four guys. And he just didn't get to a good start and it just has not panned out for him and for whatever reason. So he's there, but I, unless he gets an opportunity at some point, I would be surprised if we saw a big role from him. Let's go next to Steve. You're on sports talk. Hello, Steve. Hey, fellas. Hey. Oh, Vince and, and fellas, uh, who would you say, as far as what you thought about the Tennessee game, that our definite best players in the game for Tennessee were? Well, you got to start with DeAndre Johnson in terms of, of who performed great. Uh, to, to have a guy step up when you needed a pass rush, and that was one of the big question marks of this team, and to have a guy like that play – to that level and do it consistently throughout the game with two and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, forced fumble, six tackles in all. And I think he had other times where he impacted uh, the, the South Carolina passing game. I, I think that was big. And uh, you can he sustain it? We'll see. But I, that's why I had a, a little bit more confidence in him than Kevon Bennett. Kevon Bennett, and I know Bennett flashed a little bit during that South Carolina game, but to me, Kevon Bennett is a little bit more up and down. And what what I saw from DeAndre Johnson is the consistency one and the difference-making, game-changing plays that this Tennessee team needs. So he, it starts with him. I think that was a huge positive from the game. Um, another one, like we talked about earlier, was the wide receivers, the group overall playing well, including Bayless Jones Jr. Guy you can put in the slot, helps you in the return game. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely an area that was a, a positive, and Jones Jr. was a big reason for it. Um, I, I'll tell you one thing that was a little bit of a disappointment for me, Steve, is we never saw Gray and Chandler together on the field materialized like we heard was going to happen. 
Now, both of them came in and I thought at times were, were effective and they both made plays. But where was both of them on the field at the same time like we had heard? I'd like to see them do that more and and, and see what how defenses have to account for both of them and what that can open up for the rest of the of the offense. Other than that, Steve, I thought some guys played well uh, for their first game. Tyler Barron, Danico Slaughter. Uh, Barron jumped out to me even more watching, going back and watching it. Slaughter was one that caught my attention from the get-go, but he also had the, both of them. You know, Barron had some missed tackles. Slaughter had uh, a couple times where he was beaten in coverage. But for their first college games to make that kind of impact and look the part, I think those guys were very impressive also. Jimmy, is there anyone you would uh, add to that group? Uh, not really. I um, There's a part of me that wants to give a thumbs up to a deep snapper, man, Matthew Solansky, because after Will Albright had such a bad start, he had to come in. I thought he did a pretty good job in that regard. Um uh, did you mention Velas Jones, or did you couple him with the receivers? I did. I did. Yeah, I, yeah. he he okay. would be when I talked to the receivers. He would be the one that stood out in that group. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I thought he had an impact. Kickoff returns, five receptions. Uh, had a forty-yard run back on a kick. He he was a guy that I thought uh, contributed and had a had an impact. Wow. Okay. Henry T. Well, guys, also had I an know one thing return. about yeah, it. I mention that one. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, the uh, the one that gave Tennessee yeah. the first lead. Yeah. <laughs> what were you okay, going to say, fellas? Okay, thanks. All right, thank you. Let's go next to Will. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Will. Hey guys, always hard to follow Steve. Uh, I love Steve. Been listening to him call in for seems like years now. Um, so uh, I may be beating a dead horse with the subject, but has anybody heard anything about Cade Mays being eligible today? Because I thought I heard the guys on the morning show say that that decision was supposed to come down today. The other part of that is, wasn't there a, a Daniels kid for Georgia? Was was that was was that one of the three they were supposed to vote on today? Because I saw where he was cleared. No, JT Daniels was an injury situation. He was cleared medically, not by the SEC or the NCAA. He got cleared by the NCAA a long time ago, and he is a transfer from non-conference to conference, so that's a completely different deal. The other two are Joey Gatewood, who went from Auburn to Kentucky as a quarterback, and Otis Reese, who went from Georgia to Ole Miss. Now, my information was different from what you heard earlier. I was told by my source at at the SEC there was not a timetable to vote today. In fact, there's not a timeline, but he suggested it would be perhaps later in the week than, uh, than today. So that's the information I got. But let me tell you, that's a moving target. So it's, it's right. really hard to, to, to finalize that, but that's what was relayed to me from the SEC, the SEC source that I have. Uh, so um, anyway, I don't... I don't think there was a vote today, but there may be. I mean, they may get this thing together, but I was led to believe it would be later. Yeah, maybe I misunderstood them this morning, too. Um, but just flipping off of something that, that struck me off of the last conversation I had with Steve, is I myself, I was really impressed with Vilas Jones. I, was, I think that was his last name. Um, 
uh, number one, I was to me he's a new player trying to learn things and stuff. He was really impressive to me last Saturday. It's fast. Yeah, and uh, and the thing that I like is that he was tweeting when he was one giving a shout out by Tennessee for what he did in his first game as a volunteer. He just said, "Ready to get back to work on Monday." (laughs) All right, guys, you have a good rest of the afternoon. All right, you do the same. Sure to appreciate it. Thank you very much, Will. Our guest, Vince Ferrara. And Vince joining us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline and his appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. More with Vince coming up to join us, 656-9900, 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. That's how you join Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. Sports Talk continues. More of your phone calls, more with Vince Ferrara coming up. But right now, we want to uh, say hello to Justin, who joins us as he's got the opportunity to score a four. Justin, how are you? Doing well, guys. How are you all? Doing quite well. Thank you very much, and thank you for listening. So it comes down to this Saturday at noon, Neyland Stadium, Tennessee against Missouri. How do you see it playing out between the Vols and the Tigers? I uh, see the Vols get a big victory, 35-20. to 35-20. to 20. All right. Well, Justin, we sure do appreciate your listening. Thank you very much. Good luck with your prediction. Good luck with the drawing. And, uh, and have a great night, all right? All right. Thank you, guys. Go Vols. Thank you. So here's how it works. Justin has made his score. It goes into the hat with the other score predictions. If his is the one that's drawn on Friday and Tennessee defeats Missouri 35-20, to then Justin is the winner of a brand-new Ford, courtesy of Ted Russell Ford, a $45,000 value. If you want to be listening for your next opportunity to perhaps score a Ford, then tune in tomorrow, hour number two of the starting lineup uh, in the 7 o'clock hour, and listen for the cue to call. But, Justin, we say congratulations and good luck as you try to score a Ford with our friends at Ted Russell Ford. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. Let's go back to the phones where it's Jim who's up next. Hello, Jim. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. You know, uh, before, I've got a Will Muschamp strategy question for you during that game, but before I, I get to that, uh, it would have been very, very late on the East Coast. I don't know if any of you guys saw the SEC wrap-up show after the game. Did you hear the comment that Roman Harper made about Henry T.? No. no. He, uh, they were showing the highlight of Henry T.'s interception. He's running down the sideline, and uh, Roman Harper says, uh, go make a play, young man. Very excited. He, he was really a uh, uh, Henry T. fan. And then he says... He looks like Junior Seau to me. You can't get – that's a pretty darn high compliment, wow. don't you think? Yes. yes. <laughs> One of, Junior Seau. Jim, I heard that, and I, I had to immediately tweet it because it was so impressive to have <laughs> that kind of comparison of your game to Junior Seau. And that's coming from an, an Alabama guy as yeah. well. But, <laughs> yep. You know – it it um it absolutely it jumped out to me as well. That's that's a good point. Harper yeah, I was thought that was terrific. From the, um, he was cleansed from the Crimson Tide when he played for the Saints. 
There you go. There you go. Um, fourth quarter, uh, very late in the game. Uh, I think there's about three minutes. There's under four minutes to go, and South Carolina has their fourth and twelve, and uh, they decide to go for the field. They're trailing by seven. They decide to go for the field goal, and I was very glad they they went for the field goal. I uh, I was surprised though that they went for the field goal instead of. Even though it was 12 yards to go, I thought they would opt to try to make the first down. What did you think of that uh, uh, strategy at at that time? What did you think, Vince? I was I was okay with it, and I heard what Muschamp's post game explanation, and it makes sense as well. It, it was if it was less than 12 yards, say if it was you know five, six, seven. He said he probably would have gone for it. And I think your percentages of converting that go up significantly. But fourth and 12 is very difficult. And I, I know analytics probably say you should do it anyway. Uh, I, you know, you should go for it anyway. But Will Muschamp doesn't strike me as an analytics guy. Um, <laughs> they, they had all their timeouts. There's a good chance that Tennessee is going to be conservative on offense to try to, you know, to try to use clock and not throw it or stop the clock and help them out. As it turned out, Tennessee went backwards on the drive. Um, so with, you know, using your, your timeouts and, um, you know, and, and still being, you know, having more than three minutes to go, I, I don't think you, you put it all on that fourth down conversion. I, I was okay with it from their standpoint, but it, it came down to the, the distance to go for them. Okay, I was okay with it also, and and to a degree, it, it could potentially have worked. Except, I mean, Tennessee punted with a minute twenty nine left, and the punt hit the South Carolina guy, and Tennessee recovered. So, right. by all right, South Carolina would have had the ball with about a minute twenty five left. And from that perspective, I was okay with it. It was funny Tennessee started that drive out actually pretty well with an eight yard play and a twenty yard play, and then they yep. went backward and they went backward big time. They had like third and twenty-seven, and they kept uh, jumping. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And if South, if South Carolina doesn't have all their timeouts, it's a different story. Right. That's right. Um, because then, because then a first down basically seals it. But that wasn't the case. It didn't. It didn't crush them because of the timeouts. So um, yeah, that's a good point. Well, even if South if South Carolina goes for it, and they don't. I mean, they, they still needed a stop, and they still needed a touchdown either way. So I, I probably would have tried to roll the dice and and uh, you know try to get the twelve yards, even though twelve yards uh, the odds might have been against them. Figuring this might be the last offensive chance I have. Uh, as it turned out, it was, but not because they didn't get the ball back. They screwed up the punt return. But anyway, I, I, I just I, it was interesting. And, uh, you know, less than 12 yards, he probably would have uh, went for it. Mm-hmm. Guys, good to talk to you. Have a good afternoon. You as well. And uh, I was, uh, you know, Tennessee won the toss and deferred to the second half, but I'm glad that Tennessee chose to get its special teams gap out of the way in the first half to where South Carolina <laughs> had its in the second. <laughs> yes, because that's how it Boy, works. Boy, how about that? Yeah, and 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 they needed Paxton Brooks to to bounce back from that. And obviously, Solansky in the long snapping, you needed that to be better, also. But 
Paxton Brooks was good. He helped them with that field position. They couldn't always take advantage of the benefit of field position and do anything with some of the the drives that they started you know, around midfield but or inside of South Carolina territory. But it, Paxton Brooks was helpful that he he was much better in that game and pinning South Carolina back a few times. Very much so. We'll get a break and be back with a final segment of this hour of Sports Talk. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline and Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. This is Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. The runaway number one in East Tennessee for sports. We are 99.1, the sports animal. Final segment to hour number two of Sports Talk, a final segment with our guest Vince Ferrara. And Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. We go back to the phones where it's Mark who's up next. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? Pretty good. I was going to congratulate Vince on um, Tampa Bay winning yesterday. And um, are you optimistic that both the Rays and Buccaneers could win a title? And then my other question real quick is, you know, if Kara Lawson is still on the board of trustees, even though she's coaching the Duke women's basketball team. Lawson was still what, on that board, to my knowledge, and there was uh, somebody with the board that said they were pleased and glad that she has continued to be on the board. I don't think that's changed oh, since she's, that occurred. So she's still on the board? As far as I know, because, again, there was a discussion about that a few weeks ago. And a board member said we're glad, the chairman, I think, said we're glad that she remains on the board. I don't think that's changed in the last few weeks. All right. And did you watch the game yesterday, Vince? I did, yeah. And it was so cool. Uh, the NHL has the, the best trophy presentation. And, um, you know, even though there was nobody in that arena in the bubble, to see Steven Stamkos, who only got to play part of one period, be able – to hoist the cup first after Gary Bettman uh, handed it to him and did the presentation. Just so well done, and it was so cool. He, he's such a great player, but they are loaded. That roster is so good. And uh, I do think that they have tennis, that Tampa Bay has a great chance of cashing in a another title. I would feel better about it, honestly, for the Rays than the Bucks. I think that the the Bucks are a Super Bowl contender, but I wouldn't put them in any sort of favorite category because of how good the Chiefs especially are. But I think the Rays have a great shot to win in this world in this world series or postseason type of setup. So yeah, I think I think Tampa Bay has a a real good chance to cash in another one. So I appreciate you bringing that up, Mark. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. Sure to appreciate you. 656-9900 if you want to get a question or comment in under the wire. 656-9900 if they could play the Broncos every week, they'd really look like Super Bowl contenders. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, it just it, it continues on for Denver with the injuries. Just just so difficult. And, um, you know, Denver helped them. Denver fought, as you know, John, but... I wasn't surprised that 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 game was overall pretty one-sided, even though 
Tampa kind of, you know, looked like they, they backed off a little bit. Um, and Denver kept fighting, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a struggle bus for your Broncos right now. And I know I had high hopes for them going into the year. Of course, then the Von Miller news hit and then lock and you certainly know the rest, John. Yeah. Five starters right now are on the IR. Right. Cortland Sutton. And yeah, it just keeps going. Okay, Vince, I need to ask you about something. I was looking at your predictions, and you had Uh-oh. LSU beating Mississippi <laughs> State, and you asked the question, can Mike Leach be successful in the SEC with an offensive approach, not in year one, in an SEC-only slate? So would you change your mind now? I would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing that makes me feel better about that clearly stupid prediction is the fact that I wasn't alone. I, I was. That was not a, a one-man boat. All right, there are a lot <laughs> of other people that, that were were jumping on that bad boy. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't think anybody saw that coming. Doesn't mean that no. Mississippi State couldn't have won that game, but to see KJ Costello look like that, and and they weren't even perfect. That's a, that's another thing that was crazy about that game is it's not like Mississippi State didn't make mistakes, didn't have some missed throws here and there. I mean, they there was there were more yards and more points on, on that were left on the field, and they still did that. And it was is, as impressive as it was for Mississippi State and Mike Leach, it, it was alarming for LSU. I mean, LSU and Georgia I have the most questions for me, and that's another team that – I picked to win the East, and look, I'm not giving up on them, but that quarterback situation, they they weren't able to find a way to overcome that position, and I know you need that position to be really good, typically, but man, um, if you can't even function with you know with highly ranked guys all over the field on offense. That's a big problem, and then and then you have to wonder: All right, is Kirby smart? Is he already messing with with Monken and his play calling? Or are they already dialing it back, or did they not put in enough based on the the quarterback position? They they had a lot to figure out there. Oh, by the way, their defense didn't look as elite as we expected it to be. So those two teams, to me, even though you don't want to make total declarations they got to figure something out pretty quick and georgia doesn't exactly have uh, an easy next game to do it i think georgia better hope that jt daniels is really good he has been cleared medically but if he's not i think they've uh, got an issue well i heard uh, barrett salee brought this point up and i think it's a valid one that maybe georgia that, that daniels may not really be ready because he's been He's he, it's taken so long for him to get cleared off of that injury last year that this may be Georgia forcing uh, Auburn to have to prepare for more than one quarterback, and then they'll trot Bennett out there. So who knows whether Daniels he's cleared, but whether whether he's going to be able to play or be ready, or even if he is, what he looks like because it's been so long. Uh, that that position is uh, is a real problem for Georgia. Let's work in one more call. It's from Clay. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Clay. 
Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? Doing well. Hey, I wanted to ask, I saw yesterday on Twitter that it's had Tennessee and Georgia as a potential 330 CBS slot or the A&M and Florida game. And I know that Florida that would make them their third game in a row if they get the noon slot. I've got a 9 o'clock shotgun uh, golf tournament next Saturday, so I'm really pulling for that 330 slot for us. Do you think if we beat Missouri the way we should and if Georgia was to beat uh, Florida, should we get that slot, or do you think they're going to give it to Florida? Well, if, if Georgia beats Auburn is what, what you meant. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, yeah, think... I, knew, I could tell I said something wrong there. If Georgia beats Auburn, yes. Right. No, I knew, I knew what you meant. But I, I, I think it's a great question, and I have thought about this. I think that CBS wants Tennessee-Georgia. So if both of those two teams take care of business this Saturday, I think that's the game that gets the 330 slot. A&M is going to have some other opportunities potential against Alabama and others in the West that they, they could get on CBS on. And I think Florida will have plenty of opportunities for CBS as well. I think Tennessee-Georgia is what they'd like on CBS if they take care of business. Otherwise, they will go to Florida and A&M. Granted, they don't screw up their opportunity as well. Right. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think A&M has the CBS game with Alabama this Saturday. So I find it hard to believe that they're going to want to put two in a row of A&M on CBS, especially since they don't really look good. good All right. Well, that's all I had. Appreciate it. Clay, we sure do appreciate it. Thank you very much. And Vince Ferrara, thank you very much. Of course, you've got all kinds of things going on. Uh, You've got In the Cage coming up on uh, MMA Radio coming up on Thursday at 8 o'clock. And then um, we've had to move some things around in terms of high school football. But you've got uh, Webb and Grace on Friday, correct? Yeah, looking forward to to that. And... um... Uh, you know, calling the game with Don Mahoney and excited about it and those two great programs. And, uh, and then Ovin St. Peru is uh, going to be our guest. And we'll talk some, not only we we'll talk MMA with him uh, being successful in the UFC, but also we'll talk some Tennessee football with him as a VFL. So he's our guest on In the Cage MMA Radio 8 to 9 uh, here Thursday night on the Sports Channel. Always appreciate it. Just a quick thought. What do you think Garrett Crochet and Nick Senzel in the, in the postseason? Man, it's it's cool. How about the Reds getting in? It's really exciting. I know there's a lot of uh, quite a few Reds fans in our region, and just cool for them to 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 get in. He's a big part of that team, and then for Garrett Crochet to have that power arm, and they have a couple of them out of the pen for the White Sox to to have that as a weapon. And man, I just love it, John. I looked at the postseason schedule of games. You know, some days there's just games all day long at the same time. It's just really cool the way they're doing it. And um, I'm not complaining too much about the extra teams at this point because we're getting postseason baseball and neat that there's a couple of VFLs in there to track as well. Well, Vince, thank you very much. We say thank you to Waters Equipment.